Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 114 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson. I've got Kurt Mortensen here with me, and we're just coming out of Halloween with all the entitled trick-or-treaters. We talked <laughs> about that last year. It was a little better at my house this year. How did Halloween go for you, Kurt? I think it was worse. <laughs> it was worse. And I love Halloween, and for our international listeners, this is the day before Saints Day, which is supposed to be a spiritual day, but all the ghouls and ghosts and goblins, if you know what that is, comes out, so... It's a fun holiday where we all dress up and, well, not the kids dress up, go to door and ask for candy. But for some reason where I live, everybody on the other side of town drops their kids off on this side of town. Mm -hmm, <laughs> My mm -hmm. neighbor had 900 trick-or-treaters. Holy crap. And, yeah. And I don't mind that so much. I enjoy it. It's kind of fun. But we had adults dressing up with their kids and demanding candy. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I'm like, really? I mean, do you reject them? Are they going to egg your house? I mean, what's going on? But here was the idea of the century. <laughs> so a neighbor decides that, okay, some of this is getting kind of ridiculous. So he goes out and in bulk buys two liter bottles of soda, <laughs> the generic kind, right? Mm -hmm. Which is probably twice the cost of a big candy bar. And he was just laughing because the kids would get so excited about this big bottle. And so he'd give it out strategically to the people that he didn't think deserved more candy. Yeah. And they were so excited. But about two blocks later, they were realizing they were carrying a two-liter bottle <laughs> <laughs> of soda. And it was getting pretty heavy for these little kids. And a couple of kids, he put a couple bottles in. So he was just laughing and having fun. So I thought that might be the Halloween ninja of the day right there. I That's that pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty it says good. it's worth the extra expense because they get so excited that two blocks later they're like oh <laughs> this weighs more than 50 chocolate candy bars yeah yeah <laughs> if you can strategize your trick-or-treating that means you're too old mm -hmm. i think that's the, the rule now isn't it i mean if you're getting out a map or you've got a schedule of what streets you're gonna hit it's time to hang it up yeah, I was getting some college kids, too. I'm like, wait a minute. But, you know, it was all in fun. They had candy. I mean, giving out candy. I remember what it's like. Candy's yeah. good. <laughs> we had a, a bus pull into our neighborhood. Oh, geez. Where'd the bus yeah. come from? I, I, they must have rented it. It was like a school bus, but they had it tricked out with lights and strobes and blaring music. And oh, it was ridiculous. Man. Yeah. Man, there's a whole new business there, just bussing people around getting candy. Oh, geez. Yeah. It's, and you know, it's funny that I noticed this with my wife. She was getting candy on Halloween. I think she was at Walmart or somewhere, which is a horrible, horrible place. So she goes to Walmart and she came home. She told me I was in the twilight zone. It was Halloween and I was trying to get candy on Walmart and I couldn't find the candy amongst all the Christmas decorations. And there was Christmas music <laughs> playing oh, overhead. They're just shoving yeah. it down our throat this Give year. Don't be wait at any one time. more day, right? One more day. You're just asking, just wait till November at least. Come on, people. <laughs> well, Walmart oper operates on like a point zero 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 one percent profit margin, so they got to get it out on Halloween, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. They had people doing overtime getting the Christmas stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty brutal. Jeez. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's that time. Yeah, you start ramping into the holidays and Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I don't know about you, but at about noon on Christmas, I'm ready for it to all be over. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm about when they when my wife asks to get the Christmas boxes down and all that fun stuff out of the get that out of the garage. Then it's like I'm almost ready for be over because that's a lot of stuff to pack up. Uh, yeah, that that's coming. That's coming. <laughs> I kind of want to set it up this weekend because it, it feels <laughs> like you go through all that and then you take it down a couple days later. It feels like. Yeah, get it going. Just leave it up year-round. I've tried that. It didn't work, but I've suggested it. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. People make fun of you if you do that. Yeah, yeah. You're that house with the Christmas lights in July. Although I do have a neighbor who has a Christmas tree up year-round, but they decorate it with different stuff like hearts on Valentine's Day and, I guess, turkeys for Thanksgiving. So I guess that's their way to get around to taking down the tree. I can respect that. Yeah. I, I could see that being a thing. In fact, <laughs> I'm surprised that... Uh, the retail America, Walmart's world, haven't caught on to that. You know, that's, yeah, that's more crap they can up. sell all year. I'm not sure we're going to do it in August, but hey, you've got other holidays that you can uh, take advantage of. you got to swap it out for a palm tree in August. There you go. I like that. I could do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's some serious banter about nothing that our <laughs> listeners have found completely useless. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they now know. Well, they learned one thing as far as the two-liter bottle of soda next year for Halloween. Yeah, we really just started recording today before Kurt and I got a chance to just get all this out of the way. So you have to listen to it now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, enjoy that. We have good news for you creeps out there, right? Because do, don't we have a lot of creeps listening to the show? I don't know, maybe. Creeps, creepers, or I hope not. Maybe we do. Maybe we do. Well, we teach people how to persuade, and you know, it's, I can see creeps needing to do that. It's true. We're going to make this very simple. We've got an article that just came out. Kurt, cue up the article. Or go, go. Great article that came out, I think it was on Friday, and they've even simplified it down to a chart. Okay. <laughs> article entitled, Here's Where Men and Women Are Okay Being Touched. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Some people are missing that radar. They need a picture. Okay, where can I touch him or her? Okay, touch, touch. Well, we're going to post the picture. We're going to tweet it out. We're going to put it on Facebook. You can always follow us on Twitter at Influence Max. That's our Twitter handle. And just uh, type into search on Facebook, Maximize Your Influence, and you'll see our page come up there if you're a Facebook person, if you're a Zuckerberg person. Okay. So from the article, where are men and women okay with being touched? Perhaps not surprisingly, it has everything to do with who is doing the touching, report researchers at Oxford <laughs> University this week in the, you're going to be jealous, Kurt, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. A hand body map. 1,368 men and women are asked to color in areas of the body where touching from a particular type of person was okay, and the map resulted from their answers accompanying their study paints a pretty clear picture. For instance, most men and women are perfectly fine being touched anywhere by romantic partners, and almost every body part is off-limits when it comes to strangers. <laughs> Isn't that what kids call the no-no zone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go find an adult, okay? All right. While women are more comfortable being touched by others in general than men, shocker, mm -hmm. I was a little surprised. But how do we feel for all those people who fall in the categories in between? Subtleties begin to bubble up when factoring in other relationships from parents and siblings to cousins and friends, and it gets weirder the longer you stare at it, observes AskMen.com. Women are far more comfortable being touched on their shoulders, arms, backs, and near their chests than men, which may not be too surprising, but there's visible discomfort with both men and women being touched below the knee by strangers, acquaintances, and less immediate relatives, a finding that is across the board for men, but far more pronounced when women are being touched by uncles and male cousins than aunts and female cousins. 
The researchers also demarcated taboo zones. And while men say their genital areas are off limits to their parents and siblings, that same zone isn't out of bounds for female acquaintances or even female strangers. We had to do a study for that. Okay. Yeah. You know, some of these are just shockingly obvious. But Yeah, that's the does zone right there. <laughs> the chart is funny. We're going to post it, and it's it's color map. So maybe you can just print it out, put it in your wallet, and carry it around. Uh, when you're feeling you, like you got to get your touch on, consult the chart, and it'll yeah. let you know if you're okay or not. <laughs> I'm sure you can connect with people as you hold up the chart and then touch them, and they're like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, make persuasion a very natural process. Exactly. <laughs> so what do you think, Kurt? Too no, much I, or any any well, odds? there's some done there, but you know some people are missing the filter. Some people are too touchy. Some people, when they talk about space, or, you know, stand too close to you. Uh, interesting part of that study too is they found that the Finnish people were the most freewheeling and liked to touch the most because it does vary by culture. The British people were the stiffest, didn't like that contact. And there's rules between you know cultures and genders. I mean, men touching men, there's rules. Men touching women, there's a lot of rules. Women touching men, no rules. We like it. But in, well, there's, I guess there's a few rules there, but <laughs> you got to make sure that you're just aware of the situation, the person, but it's true. Touch is a powerful thing that can really connect you with people. But then on the flip side, it can really disconnect you if you touch the wrong person at the wrong spot. And new trends too. Some people just don't want to be touched. They don't want to be hugged. They don't even want to shake hands. They'll just give you the bump. Even if you're lucky, you'll get the bump. Some people won't even want to touch at all. Mm, that's a good point. So we're heading into the holidays, like we talked about earlier. You got lots of company parties and networking events and all those kinds of things coming up. And, and the chart, of course, lets you know where you can touch friends. I'm looking at the chart right now. Friends, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, and aunts. Uh, so you've got these parties coming up, so you got to know <laughs> what you can so, do here. And we should have T-shirts with this, and so people just naturally know Yeah. <laughs> to, to touch. <laughs> a T-shirt. That's a great idea. <laughs> touch this right there, right on the T-shirt. There we yeah, go. it's the heat map, but it's on a shirt. Don't go to the black area. Well, you'll know what we're talking about when you see the chart. But we wanted to talk about that because touch is extremely powerful in the world of persuasion. I always appreciate the hardworking people of the food business and, and the restaurant business. I mean, that's tough work. You're waiting tables. You're doing it on the weekend when you'd rather be doing something else. And you're doing it to grumpy, hungry people who are oftentimes more entitled than trick-or-treaters. So. I've noticed that a lot of people in that business can successfully use touch to eliminate a barrier and really increase tips. How much does that translate? Because some people listening go, well, yeah, I'm a financial planner. I'm not a server at Macaroni Grill, right? Mm -hmm. How much does it really translate? Let's let's back up a little bit. Let's talk, you talk about waitresses. Well, waiters and waitresses that touch in the safe zone, right? Not the no-no zone, but touch in the safe zone, they do receive higher tips. Librarians that touched on the, on the top of the hand receive better valuations. In the clothing stores, when you touch, people shop longer, they buy more. There's something about that connection, that touch in safe areas at the right time with the right culture, right gender. I mean, there's all these rules we have to understand and having those filters. But one thing that we do need to talk about, you brought up financial planner, for example, is the handshake. The handshake is across most cultures. I'd say almost all cultures. I haven't found a culture that doesn't shake hands. But a handshake is very interesting. Here's the studies, and everyone needs to be sitting down for this one because this one's amazing, is that a bad handshake will set you back one hour in building rapport. One hour. Because wow. you've had those handshakes before. You just get the, what's the scientific term, the willies, right? The willies, yeah. yeah. You're like, I guess that would be the sound that you make. Really. And you're not doing that out loud, but inside you're just like, oh, and you just don't like it, and it rubs you the wrong way. And 
So you have to realize a bad handshake, one hour in building rapport can destroy you, and you'd be surprised how many people are probably complaining about your handshake and you don't know it. And that's a key thing is that we've talked about rapport, we've talked about mirror and matching, so you probably want to mirror somebody's handshake, and it shouldn't always be the same. So the first thing we should talk about is what are the complaints about your handshake? So Steve, guess what are the major complaints you think with uh, people's handshakes? I just can't stand the cold fish. Mm, cold fish. The sweaty fish. The sweaty fish. The, I guess, Grab the your... limp fish. The, I don't guess know. they're all fish. The... Yeah, they're all fish. <laughs> or the ones that just kind of grab your fingers. I mean, too strong, too soft. My favorite, too many pumps where they just keep pumping. You're like, dude, you're trying to get your hand away and they keep pumping and pumping. Yeah, right. So there's all these different complaints out there. So you got to really be aware of this and understand how it works and the psychology of this. For example, if you're influencing up and you're going to the CEO, you probably want to wait to see if they extend their hand first. And if it's a male CEO and they do extend their hand, they're probably coming up on top, right? That's kind of a yeah. power subconscious thing. And can you fight them for it? You probably could. I wouldn't recommend it, but that's just a subconscious thing that guys tend to do. There are people that will do that. It's one step below a thumb war, right, <laughs> on this handshake. They, they insist on coming out on top, and yeah. it's just so stupid. We see that in negotiations. They both want to be on top. It's kind of a subtle trying to twist and turn thing. You're like, okay, people, come on. <laughs> Just shake their hand and move on. So yeah. understand this is really important to how you do this. And you just do it thinking you're okay, but you should adjust to the grip, to the strength. And I mean, a good handshake is pretty simple. You square up your shoulders, you look them in the eye, two to three pumps, you interlock your thumbs, make sure they're you're all the way in, mirror their grip. That's something anybody can work on, but a lot of people don't even think about it because you could be one of those people that has a bad handshake. And if you use the same handshake every time, you do have a bad handshake because you're going to mm -hmm. clash with somebody that... You're squeezing too hard or not enough, and it's something you need to adapt to the person, to the situation, and it'll make a huge difference with what you're able to do out there in the business world. I kind of feel like the handshake is something where you're almost expected to do it right in order to just be okay, but if you do it wrong, that's when people notice. I don't notice a good handshake. I just kind of mentally and subconsciously check a box, okay, the handshake didn't creep me out, we're good. Let's move <laughs> on to the next thing. But if it's bad, then yeah, it just, it taints everything that comes after it. I think that the rule is if you're going to do a cold fish, I mean, the only way you can do that is if you're like a duchess or some kind of British royalty or <laughs> aristocrat. And if you're not one of those, you don't get to do the cold fish. That, that's a, a pretty hard and fast rule. So now people have permission to do the cold fish from Steve Olson. Well, if they're royalty and if they, you know, they didn't need it. They, they didn't are, need your permission. They're already doing that. Yeah, that's true. Just ask yourself that simple question. If you're rocking the cold fish, are you royalty? <laughs> and you might not even know you're doing the cold fish because it's something that you just do naturally. And a lot of times people just don't know that they have bad handshakes. And I put bad breath in that same category because we don't really recognize when it's okay. But when it's bad, we really notice. And it doesn't matter whether it's fair or not. This is reality. This is persuasion. These are things that we need to know and understand. Yeah, yeah. So handshake is an obvious physical touch. Where else can we implement this to our advantage? Or uh, concurrently with that, what are the, the common fouls of, of touch that people commit beyond the handshake? Not reading the person, getting too friendly too fast. I mean, some people grew up, there's no right or wrong here. They didn't hug much and they're not used to the touch and Again, a touch is one of those things that can really connect you with people, but then other people who don't like to touch, you can look in their demeanor and their mannerisms that if they want to touch or not. The main thing is to 
when you use this and use it the right way, it's very powerful. But then on the flip side, if you're touching too much or even the science of proximics to study a space, how close you stand to somebody when you're shaking their hand or even talking to them can have that opposite approach too. Okay. So what about during the presentation or, or finishing it off? You know, we're talking about the touch behind the arm or the shoulder. Um, I know, Kurt, you like to give a nice kind of a scalp massage. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, that's you. <laughs> what are our choices there? What are the options? Well, hopefully you've connected during this encounter. I like on the back or the back of the arm, just a quick touch or, you know, guys are guys. Sometimes it's just kind of a, a kind of a abrupt pat on the bat. I've even noticed with the teenagers sometimes just punched them in the arm as a form of touch too. And it actually really connects you with people, especially with the younger group, just kind of a touch or it could be, a, you know, I'm not recommending punching in the workplace or we should always bring back the uh, football butt slap to the workplace, right? Which would uh, be interesting. So should we, yeah, have we to, need we to start out a... this week? Yeah, we need to start that. Let's get that back. Let's get a petition. Yeah, we, you didn't hear it here, but go ahead and try that. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, tweet it to us. Hey, <laughs> yeah. hey, that, MYI, uh, here's how my butt slap went at work. I got fired. Are you hiring? Yeah, they don't want to do that one. So that's the key thing here is just really reading the person, the situation. If they touch, touch back. If they shake, shake back. I mean, that's a big part of it. I think a big part where people don't realize here, as I mentioned earlier, is proximics to study a space to where you have to be aware of the person and their space because if you come in too close, too fast to shake hands, you violate their space. They get that subconscious feeling that that they're uncomfortable. There's something wrong. So you have to be very aware of their space and how you handle their space. I've got a one of the chicken or the egg questions I like to hit you with out of nowhere. Okay. Mm. All right, do it. Yeah, here we go. You would use touch. I'm I'm just making some basic statements here. It's assumed that you use it to enhance rapport. And you're starting a presentation. Do you need to get some kind of a verbal rapport going before you have the green light to do this? Or do you do this to get some kind of a rapport going? Or is this just kind of a thing that good persuaders know when the time is right? Well, I don't say all of the above on that one. <laughs> well, thanks for the answer. There you go. How's that for the egg in your face answer? You're getting back right at me for the out of nowhere. <laughs> So a handshake, sure, you want to start off with a good handshake, that's touch. You're reading the situation, and then as we go through it, you probably might be touching on the arm or the shoulder. I wouldn't start off with a stranger on the shoulder or the arm or the bear hug or something like that, but if you start off with a handshake, start out with that touch, and you built it up from there, and it increased as you went through, and you developed that relationship, and you're reading that person, yeah, definitely all of the above there, and understand that everyone's different, cultures are different, but there's something bonding about touch that handshake, that connection that makes a big difference and makes people easier to persuade. I've read a little bit about, I can't remember who it was that called it this, but it was functional touch, right? Mm -hmm. There's a difference between, oh, a touch happened and it really didn't appear to be for any reason at all, or just kind of the flow of a presentation. Maybe it's, hey, welcome to my office, come this way, shake hands, touch on the back of the arm as you point them towards the conference room, or check out this graph showing our shipping statistics for the quarter. And as you slide it over, you touch them on the arm as you come around by the side to show them some things. That's going to hit the radar less and it's functional. So it's much more subconscious. Any thoughts or opinions on that? Oh, I like that. If you could touch, they're about to step on something and you moved them away or you just guide them somewhere and it was less obvious. Absolutely. If it was under the radar, I think that would be great because when it's on the radar, it's going to have the opposite effect. Because it was interesting, I was reading on the science of shopping, that they were looking at shopping and what caused people to shop or what 
didn't cause people to shop. And when people were looking at sweaters or something, they were looking at, and somebody accidentally brushed their butt as they walked by with a bag or their arm or something like that, that actually threw people off. They would quit looking at the sweaters and they would move on. <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Where that touch that was on accident had the opposite effect and it kind of threw people off and they quit looking at the clothes and they walked off. I'm, I'm looking at the chart. And that does seem to be correct. Unless it's a <laughs> Is that in the no-no zone? <laughs> it could be your friend or your mother or your father even, and you're, and you're going to stop shopping. Oh, okay. So yeah. that's uh, going to be across the board of the no-no zone, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the taboo zone, according to the chart. I love oh, okay. the chart. <laughs> I, I like the no-no zone. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> the chart is awesome. <laughs> That's where they, is that, they have you yelling stranger danger too with that. <laughs> yeah, I think they should. I think when you get should. touched in the wrong spot. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Earth chattering strategies on the show today. Okay, so we've talked about a handshake. We've talked about touch of the back of the arm, all those kinds of things. Have you seen, other than handshake, is there any kind of common touch that the creepy persuaders are doing that we should avoid well you talk about creepy persuaders i keep going back to that space a lot of them they're just the, the close talkers right they're in your space you don't have that relationship yet people that move things on your desk i mean i think that's a form of bad even on your body that's your stuff it's connected to you you should be moving those type of things but again i think a safe place just below the shoulder is a great place to touch people especially it's interesting if uh, you come in for a handshake and they don't reach out your hand and your hand's out, that might be as just kind of a quick tap on the shoulder just to let them know that you care, that you like them, that you're there. It's just being aware of that person, the situation. There's that small percent that no matter what you do doesn't want to be touched. You need to be able to read that. And that you'll tell. They'll stiffen up pretty good if you come close or you touch them. You'll need to know that next time you don't want to touch them because it has the opposite effect for them. I, I've noticed a particular touch that... It's kind of like swinging for the fence, okay? <laughs> Probably a bad way to say it, but if a female persuader is working on a male persuader, and maybe they're across from a table or they're out at lunch, and it's the hand touch. It's make a point, touch the top of the hand, pull back. I think that sometimes, though, the male may take that as a different way, but it can significantly lower any kind of mental barrier that there may be. What do you think about that? Yeah, that, you know, I could see that working, especially female to male, but if you kept doing it in the repetition and it got on the radar, it would have the opposite effect. Yeah. Well, one, one interesting one that's been coming up and as I've been training people, especially around the United States and around the world is people are not liking the double handshake at all, right? Oh, really? Two-handed handshake. And I thought that was interesting. That's been coming up quite a bit that they didn't like that. That was too much touch, kind of like the politicians do. Mm -hmm. I guess there's a time and place for that, but it's been interesting. That's been coming up to get on that chart as far as people not liking that. That's too much too soon. Yeah, that's probably another good rule, right? We we introduced our aristocracy or our royalty rule for the cold fish. Also, if a politician does it, don't do it. <laughs> there we go. That's called anti-suasion. It's just not do the opposite of what they do and you'll be safe. Yes, high dairy, a lot of grease, right? It's just not good for you, and, and that's what the politicians specialize in. Yeah, they're just not getting that. They do the double handshake, thinking they're connecting, and it has the opposite approach. <laughs> heebie-jeebies, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another good scientific term, willies and heebie-jeebies. You're learning that's a right. lot here today. That's why they tune in. So, <laughs> right. Hold on, we just offended the politicians, so we're doing pretty good. That's good, yeah. Well, we usually stop and acknowledge and, and offer some kind of hollow apology when we offend somebody, except on lawyers, 
And I think we can add politicians to that now too, right? Yeah, there's no reason to apologize for that. That's just natural. I don't even think that they deserve or even try to defend themselves. I think the lawyers and the politicians listening to the show, when we insult them, they just go, yeah, yeah, we're the worst. <laughs> They've accepted it and they're moving on. <laughs> yep. yep. You guys are the worst and uh, we're glad that you understand that. You know, if you think that we're out of bounds by insulting lawyers and politicians on the show, you can always insult us, you know, tweet us at Influence Max or, or email us. Your, you know, the lines are open for you to insult us back. I mean, sometimes we got it coming, I think. Sure, we can take it. I yeah. think we can take it. I hope well, I can take it. <laughs> except that one time when it made me cry. That was pretty Yeah, hard. well, you're yeah. a crier, so that's okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you ready for the blunder? Ooh, yeah, bring us a blunder. Homer, go! Go, go, go! There's Homer, and this is the question of how much follow-up is too much follow-up. I don't necessarily know until I know, <laughs> right? It's a feeling mm. that you get. But I've got an insurance broker who's been chasing me, and it's too much follow-up. There's a lot of technology out there right now with texting and emailing and voicemail broadcasting, right? Hitting a prospect from multiple angles to increase your response rate. But uh, this has been happening for about three weeks where once or twice a week I'll get a message from a, a private or unknown number. I don't know who picks those up, okay? And then I'll get a, a bulk text message, and then I'll get an email all at the same time. And it's got kind of a hollow urgency to it of, hey, you've got to switch your insurance before the end of the year, Affordable Care Act, all that kind of stuff. And it is just way, way, way too much follow-up. Kurt, at, one po at what point do we... Do we have to back off there? I'm sure this is a a person by person and an industry by industry thing to a degree, but is there any kind of uniform rule that we can use to say, okay, I got to give this guy some time and I'm not necessarily sacrificing the sale and I'm not sacrificing persistence, which is good. Persistence is mm -hmm. good. Any words of wisdom there? Well, that's it's a tough one because there's a fine line between being persistent and being a pain in the butt, as we all know. And on one hand, you follow up and follow up and follow up. The person says, I appreciate your follow up. Thank you. I've been busy. Then we also hear that after all that follow up, quit calling me. Right. <laughs> so we've heard from both sides and sometimes we get gun shy because, I mean, you want to be following up. You want to stay on their radar. They expressed interest. If you can find, first of all, different ways to contact me, if you can text and then maybe leave a message and then send an email. But when you do, let them know that you're following up, but to try to find something new or different or unique that you can add that you found that they need to know you're just not coming out of the blue. I think that tends to help out quite a bit to where you're adding value. You're just not following up, following up to see if they're going to buy. But you have found this out or this is a new report. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. Give me a call with more information. Anything you can do there tends to help out. But you're always going to find people on both ends of the spectrum to where stop calling me and thanks for being persistent. And I would rather have you be persistent and on top of things. But then again, every time you contact them, something new, something different, something unique that you can add to what they're looking at, to what they're doing, add value seems to help out quite a bit. Wow, yeah, the adding value does so much for getting you out of the annoying salesperson template that mm -hmm. most people perceive. If you can add value, it's just a miracle as to what that can do. Kind of going off of what you said, if you've spoken to the prospect, right, it's always good to establish a what's going to happen next. I like to do that with the prospect. Whenever I'm finishing up a call, what's the next step? When are you and I going to talk again? And what are we going to talk about? And and I don't like to leave that open. Even if it's just, well, I understand you got to think and you got to get a lot of information together. 
would it be all right if I contacted you in two or three weeks just to see how that's coming? And nobody has ever said no to me on that, right? But if you haven't talked to the prospect, a lot of people get creative and they'll just say something like on the message or the email, say, hey, we know you're busy. And we know that there's always a right time to make a decision for a product like ours. And we're going to keep following up with you periodically and hope to earn your business. But if you were just driving you crazy, just reply back to this and let us know and our feelings won't be hurt. I've seen stuff like that happen before where you're acknowledging that, hey, look, I'm trying to get in touch with you and you're not responding what's happening here. You're raising that issue, but you're not being super annoying about it. Yeah, I like that too. And getting the permission up front, say, hey, can I have your permission to keep following up with you till we get this resolved, till we get this fixed? And like you said, they're always going to say yes, but they're giving you permission, say, I'm following up. And I always like, hey, we're both busy. You mentioned you wanted this and this. Please let me know where you're at. Is always a great way to handle it. And hopefully the person's going to be honest. Say, hey, I've been busy. Keep following up. Call me in a month. Okay, I found another provider. That's always good to know so you're not wasting any more time. Either way, it's good to know where they're at because you don't want to waste any more time and you want to make sure that you are delivering what they want. You don't want to begin that annoying salesperson. Oh, do you have your credit card yet? You ready to buy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every two days, that does get annoying because there's no added value. and It's just the greasy, cheesy, old style that people are still using. It works every once in a while, but it's not what people want. Right. Yeah, I think the theme here is that if you're considerate of the person and you add value, the follow-up is appreciated, and they're busy, right? And there comes a time when it's they're ready to make that decision, where they're ready to take action. And, and face it, most of the time when you're following up, it's not that time. They're in the middle of their day. They're busy. They're following up with their prospects, <laughs> right? <laughs> so there comes a time, and if you've been considerate, if you've added value over time, when that event happens that triggers them, when they're thinking, okay, I'm ready to buy, you're going to get the business because you were considerate of them and you added value over time. You're going to be the first person they think about, and they probably won't call anybody else. That's a good point. And always remember, too, that you're an interruption. Whether it's a phone call or an email or a text, it's an interruption right? They're doing something else or working on something else or working on their own prospects. And you got to keep that in mind as you write it, as you prepare it, as you do it. And that's another thing, prepare it ahead of time. Think it through. Keep track of what you've been saying, what you need to say, what's call three look like, what's email three look like. So it's different. It adds value and uh, you're interrupting them, but let them know that you're there to help them and serve them. There you go. That's how you avoid being featured as the blunder on the show. There you go. If it's just consistent, consistent, over-the-top, scarcity, cheesy, greasy, is the, we've said that a lot today, then, yeah, that, that's going to be annoying. So there you have it, everybody. We appreciate you listening. If you have questions, comments, insults, derogatory remarks, articles, blunders, ninjas, fantasy football picks, because I am just getting killed this year, <laughs> send them to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com, or as always, you can follow us on Twitter at InfluenceMax. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next week on another episode. Catch you next week.